You're stupid too as I You're stupid too as I You'll never live You'll never die Welcome back to the Better Off Dead Minute podcast, the podcast that analyzes the savage Steve Holland classic, Better Off Dead, one vieté faire foutre, minute at a time. And I'm Curtis Blaze from thesacknews.com. I'm Jason Hummel from Mondo Confidential. Today we are applying to be on the Minute 50 Water Ballet team, which starts with Ricky telling Lane that he should not upset Mother, and ends with Lane unwittingly entering the paperboy dimension. Tell us all about this minute, Curtis. Okay, if you insist. Uh, in the previous minute, Lane and Monique officially met for the first time, much to the chagrin of Ricky. As the minute begins, Ricky tells Lane that he should not upset Mother while Lane notes that they must do a lot of handshaking in France. At 49 minutes and 15 seconds, Roy and Beth walk by, and Roy offers to put in a good word for Lane with the water ballet team. At 49 minutes and 29 seconds, Mrs. Smith calls to Monique from the car, causing Monique to rush away from Lane. At 49 minutes and 42 seconds, Monique gets into the car where she is promptly chewed out by Mrs. Smith for not being ready to go immediately. As the minute ends, Lane leaves the school grounds while the song Arrested by You begins. The thing that strikes me on watching it this time is the look that Monique gives Lane from the car. It's like she's being carted off to the death camps, to the Schmidt house. Lane is extremely awkward when he's trying to say goodbye to Monique in French, and does that thing with his arm, the, the Cusack wave. Yeah, everybody knows the Cusack wave. That kind of just like, you know what I mean. About, about six movies he does that in. Yeah. That is John Cusack being the team. Yep. So yesterday, I was talking, I was telling you how it was, I just noticed for the first time that Monique wouldn't stop shaking his hand in that scene. Yeah. But... Like, it goes on today. In today's <laughs> minute, she's still shaking his it's hand. It's still going on. It's not ending. It's like a perpetual motion machine. Does Roy ever go anywhere without his henchmen? Does he take them on dates? <laughs> they seem to be his entourage, just like, everywhere. Yeah, but is he, like, is he at the drive-in theater getting handy? <laughs> in the front seat, and they're in the back? And they're in the back giving the thumbs up. Go, Roy! <laughs> Or they're looking in the windows. That's disturbing. <laughs> I'm just imagining Roy during all of his important moments in life. Graduation from high school. First job. First communion. <laughs> first kiss. Always with the henchman right behind him. Yeah. Because if somebody didn't see it, did it happen? You think that's the motivation? I think so. To deal with people in entourages. Is it just the same? Is he just a rich guy? So there's hangers on? And it's just easy to have people around telling you you're cool? Or does he need them desperately, telling him he's cool? What would Roy be like without his henchmen? Say it was just he and Beth walking up. Beth, I assume, is still looking completely miserable. Yeah. Although, would she look miserable if it weren't for the uh, entourage? Hmm. He'd probably just walk by. Yeah, he, he wouldn't maybe feel the need to kind of, like, perform if the uh, henchmen weren't there. Because, yeah, it does kind of seem like he's doing it for the henchmen's benefit. If this weren't a comedy, and Roy was just the captain of the ski team, and let's even say he's still kind of a kind of a jerk and full of himself, but he doesn't have the henchmen, and probably secretly, deep down, he kind of he just doesn't like Lane because Lane's dating the girl that he likes. Right. So he's kind of jealous and kind of hurt. Like here I am, captain of the ski team, and 
she's dating that loser. Like, what's wrong with me? Having these feelings of inadequacy. Self-loathing. And then he gets her. Would he still be a jerk about it? Hmm. Would he have gotten her if he wasn't a jerk in the first place? She seemed to be attracted to that. Well, it's not so much um, that she's attracted to his jerkitude, more that his accomplishments. You know, skiing the K-12. Nice car. Nice car. Good looking. So maybe he wouldn't be a jerk. It so happens that he is here, but without the entourage, maybe he's all those things and really nice. He could be the uh, quiet poetry writing type, secretly. Wow, we're humanizing Roy. And then he spits in Lane's eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just a little spit to go go along with the water ballet line. Perfect punctuation. Water ballet. <laughs> I love how they present it as if that's a thing for sissies. Yeah. I've never done water ballet. I happen to know someone who has done water ballet. Being from the town I'm from and being the age I am, we used to have a uh, a regular water ballet show that was put on every year. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. The Dolphins. You remember the Dolphins? The Dolphin Show? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Dolphins, man. And so I grew up with people that performed in that thing. Not easy, water ballet. Every single muscle. When's the last time you've been swimming? Oh, man. 30 like, years? Yeah. Okay, so you would be very shocked right now if you jumped in the pool. I happen to swim regularly. Yeah. And the thing I had to get used to when I started swimming regularly again 10 years ago is that every muscle, every single muscle gets used because you're not supporting yourself anywhere. Every single muscle in your body gets used, double so for water ballet, because you're, you're doing all of those things just like you would in ballet, except you're not pushing off of anything. You're just raising your legs in the air, and you're not pushing against anything while you do it. Not for sissies, is all I'm trying to say. Yeah. Maybe lots of women do it, but not because it's easy. And, you know, women tend to have a higher pain threshold than men anyway. <laughs> if for nothing else, then because they have to date us. <laughs> yeah, it helps. So back to the henchman, the guy carrying the girl. In the brief flash that we get to see her, to me, she looks like Sean Young. Actually, she looks like Rachel. Yeah, she does have kind of that 40s uh, Rachel hairdo. So Freddy Krueger sweater. We've seen him before. Yeah. Was it him wearing the sweater? Same guy? Yeah. Um, there's more than one uh, one, one person. Uh, there's like two or three in the cafeteria scenes. But yeah, he's definitely shown up more than once. He's a regular henchman. His girlfriend, I spikes the camera real hard. <laughs> the one brief second she's in the movie. I'm going to put this on my reel. <laughs> I love the way that Steve constantly put like, Crazy crap in the background of these scenes. Whenever there was an opportunity to have something going on in the background, whether it's handstand races or ducks, <laughs> some guy carrying a girl. Not passed out, by the way. She's just like, hey, I'm just getting carried here. The real MVP, though, is the guy not letting go of the balloons in the scene. Yeah. Now, I made a note here, guy making out with girl. And I'm going to erase that I said that because there's no guy making out with a girl anywhere. <laughs> You know, it's weird to me, though, talking about the background. There's this couple that's standing right where Ricky lost his balloon. And they look like square parents from the 50s, like Ward and June. And he's comforting her. Yeah, he's got the arm around her. But he's in full suit. Not cool John Cusack suit with skinny tie, but full 
1950s dad suit. And she's got the regular dress with heels and hose and short jacket. And I swear to God, June Cleaver hair. (laughs) This couple is the least 80s thing in this movie. Although there is that whole 50s aesthetic, retro 50s aesthetic going on in 80s movies, though. I don't think there's reference too much, though, in this movie. Well, I guess the diner. Yeah, there's not a lot of overt references. It's stuff that's just kind of there. Did you notice here at second 41 that it's raining? So Lane gives the Kuzak wave, and then we cut over to Monet, Monique. (laughs) Monet? Great painter, Monet. Uh, Yeah, I'm combining the first and last name. Give me a break. <laughs> She's getting into a Mrs. Smith station wagon, and the car is full of rain. I mean, it is raining. It's as if there's a cloud hanging over the car. <laughs> it doesn't read as rain, but I mean, clearly, you know, it's full of water. Yeah. Yeah, Mrs. Smith's looking very 50s with the pearls and everything. Well, in the 80s, let's say she's in her 40s. So in the 50s, she would have been... 10, that would have been her, like, all the cool people in her life when she was 10 would have been wearing this. Yep. Is that how that works? I'm in my 40s. I don't dress like people that were cool when I was 10. Of course, people that were cool when I was 10 were wearing great big butterfly collars and leisure suits. A lot of corduroy. Lots of polyester everywhere. (laughs) A terrible time. We must forget about the 70s. (laughs) And she says... What's the matter? Don't you understand English? (laughs) Ricky has just got his arm locked around her. That look that Monet gives Lane as she's giving her little finger wave to him and getting like wrenched in. (laughs) Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. It reminds me of not to get too not not to date this episode too much, but. I mean, I guess I'm about to, now that I've said that. (laughs) It reminds me of uh, our president, Trump, who's the president right now. While we're recording this, all of you people listening to this treasure artifact in 2033, yanking people towards him as he shakes their hand, (laughs) doing the jerk, doing the handshake jerk. It's like he's doing that with her neck. (laughs) Well, then we go into the last shot of this minute. Lane is leaving school grounds. And we just get a hint, hint of a little Spielbergian fog and lights. One thing we've never talked about, and, and now that it's over, I just want to I want to have this discussion. They didn't have the countdown in the Happy New Year. That didn't happen. Right. Party in full swing when he's leaving. But lots of people are leaving, like Ricky and Monique are leaving. Yep. And by the way, <laughs> there was no break in the action. We've discussed this. Ricky came in. He danced for a song. We see him laying as the second song begins. Yep. That song is still playing when Lane leaves the dance. Ricky gets up and chases Monique out of the dance during that second song. Am I right? Second or third song? Second song. Second song. So he walks in during a song. He dances. He passes out. While he's passed out, the second song begins. He gets up while that song's still playing, chases after Monique, and mom's already there to pick him up. Monique and Ricky were at this dance for a total of about six minutes in real time. <laughs> Did you ever notice that before? About two songs worth. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't know if I thought of it as being in real time, though. But but it is. But it is in real time because song passes out. Next song begins. He gets up before the end of that song. And mom's already waiting for him. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah, I see it now. Because, yeah, without the song, you would, like, kind of assume a time cut. When right. They, when they leave the leave the grounds, yeah. Except that they have the song playing, so you don't get a time cut. There's, there's no jump where... You know, he wasn't passed out on the floor for an hour. Right. He's passed out on the floor for 45 seconds. Gets up and leaves. End of dance. Oh, but wait, 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 wait. There's a slow song where Roy and Beth are dancing. Yeah. Am I remembering that wrong? Is the I Can't Believe You're Here Tonight song that song? No, no. That That's what plays when everybody's leaving. Okay. Wait a minute. So I need to replay the scene a little bit in my head. Ricky walks in during a song. Yep. And what song is that? Well, if if we're going by the thought that there's only two songs, then it would be One Way, uh, one yeah. way Love. One Way Love. Yeah. He walks in during One Way Love. Yeah. And then we have the scene where, no, the scene where, oh, for God's sake, the scene where Roy and Beth are slow dancing, that happens before One Way Love. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. that's what was confusing me. So I'm right. There are literally two songs. From when they get there. And he walks in in the middle of the first song, leaves in the middle of the second song. Yeah. That's how long they're at the dance. There's no disputing that. That's We're leaving the dance. I wanted to get that said before before the dance scene was completely over. It's almost like a cool kid move. We're putting in our appearance, then we're going to go someplace better. Yeah. That place better being home. <laughs> home with mother. With never-ending rape possibilities. <laughs> so creepy. So creepy. Ah, the tentacles. Yet, Dan Schneider makes him likable. Yeah. I like Ricky watching him minute to minute now more than I did watching the whole movie. Yeah. I mean, he, he grows on you in a weird way. Because, you know, you watch the movie by itself, you think, oh, creep. But yeah, minute by minute, you see like many shades of Ricky. The many shades of Ricky. Well, boys and girls, the Better Off Dead Minute podcast is a fan project by Curtis Blaze and Jason Hummel. The movie Better Off Dead was created by Savage Steve Holland and presented by Warner Brothers in association with A&M Films. The Better Off Dead Minute podcast is produced and edited by Curtis Blaze. Our opening music, Suicide For You, is by Skatred. You can follow the Better Off Dead Minute on Twitter at BOD Minute and at our Facebook group at the Better Off Dead Minute Crisis Support Service and at betteroffdeadminute.com. Don't forget to leave us a voicemail or text at 712-830-7373. Also, don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Oh, and I just wanted to mention, if you call, because this happened today, trying to get the voicemail and you accidentally get me live, just say, I'm calling for Better Off Dead and I want the voicemail. I'll hang up, you can call again, and I'll let it go to voicemail. <laughs> Sorry about that, Mike. I'd like to thank the Star Wars Minute guys for allowing us to steal the format. And if you'd like to listen to other Movies by Minutes podcasts, and there are like 89 of them now, uh, check out moviesbyminutes.com. Hey, uh, join us whenever we do another one of these for Minute 51. And by the way, that's the only time our script is ever going to be accurate. <laughs> Brilliant joke. Until then, I'm Curtis. And I'm Jason. Good night.